On today's episode of the Ringer NFL Show, we talk about the Bills' blowout against Seattle, whether or not we could trust Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and the unluckiest team in the NFL, the Los Angeles Chargers. We're also going to get to the Tua experience and a lot more. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Wednesday is Warren Sharp. Hey, Warren. What is up, Chris? All right, so we got a lot of stuff to get to this week. Let's start with one of the huge games between two teams with very good records, the Bills and the Seattle Seahawks. The Bills got a huge win. Josh Allen was absolutely awesome in this game, but I was left wondering, was that more in your mind about the Bills' offense or was that more about the Seattle dreadful defense? As all, as most things are, it's a combination of both. But what was most interesting are some of the comments that I heard after the game from Pete Carroll, where Pete Carroll said that they had a pretty good game plan to deal with the Bills' run game, and they were surprised that the Bills weren't running the football. And I always think that's funny because I've heard that type of thing before this season where a coach a defensive guy thought that he was going to stop the run and the team just decided not to run. And it's always funny when you build your game plan to like stop the run, especially on a team like the Bills. I can understand a little bit why Pete Carroll said that if if, if I'm not going to totally rip on what they were doing because the last game out before this one, what they were game planning was off of tape from the New England Patriots Buffalo Bills game. And in that game, Buffalo ran on 68% of their early downs the first three quarters. So. I guess Seattle's thinking, okay, these guys are just going to run the football. However, if you look at what Buffalo did, and I think, I don't know if we got to it on our show last Wednesday, Chris, or if it was me and House on Friday, but I was cautioning people about reading too much into the quote-unquote decline of the Bills' offense and how they put up 16 and 17 and 18 points in three consecutive weeks and didn't look that great. And I was telling people about all these extenuating circumstances that were happening during those games. And one of those extenuating circumstances was weather. There was wind in two of the games. There was rain in three of the games. And clearly that's going to play a role. And we saw a great intelligent game plan by Brian Dable against the Patriots to run the ball a ton because New England can be had on the ground a little bit and it's windy, it's rainy. Let's go after him on the ground. This game, Dayball was just like, screw this. I'm looking at the secondary. They've got losses along the secondary. I know you've got 
a couple of new guys on the team that haven't been there for a little while, right? Carlos Dunlap is brand new. Jamal Adams hasn't been there for a while, but they're sticking Jamal Adams in the box. They're trying to blitz with him, confuse people. Dayball's just getting the ball, letting it rip. And 20 of the first 22 plays of the game were passes. On early downs in the first half, Buffalo had 27 passes and only two rushes. And their passes were averaging 9.6 yards per attempt with a 70% success rate. So the bottom line here is it was a little bit of a fault of the Seahawks defense for thinking that Buffalo was just going to run the ball a lot and like, let's game plan to stop the run. But it was a lot of the intelligence of Brian Dayball to attack these guys. And anytime you're an offensive coordinator, you're a play caller, you're coming up with the game plan for the week, you can think that you've got a great game plan. You have to have ad- an adequate quarterback to execute it. But but what you need is just precision and execution for that offense. Like everybody's got to do their job, so to speak. And what I saw in this game was a great game plan by Brian Dayball entering the game, a great job of play calling because those things are two different things. People seem to think play calling and game playing is the same thing. They're totally different. You got to be able to call the right plays at the right situation. And then a brilliant job of executing starts with the quarterback and echoes throughout the receiving core. So I was, that was such a fun game to watch, Chris. I really enjoyed that one. But in fairness, Warren, that Seattle defense, I know that you might've said they were prepared. I, I, it, it hasn't really mattered what they have been prepared to do or what their game plan has been. Everybody has scored on them. You know, I, they had the somewhat impressive, at least first two, three quarters against the 49ers, but the 49ers were an absolute shell of themselves, right? The, the, the last time, two weeks ago, that we saw them in a big game, they were eviscerated by Arizona. And that's been a bit of story all year. You even go back to, you know, when this season first started, they made the Patriots offense look like it could do something at the beginning of this year, right? They they gave up 31 to the Cowboys in that game. They gave up 23 uh, in their game at the Dolphins, 26 against the the Vikings. By the way, the Dolphins should have had more in that game. We talked about the conservative nature of kicking all those field goals. And there's no doubt everything you're saying is accurate. The the Seahawks defense is is, is going through the worst part of their schedule right now because they had the part that was before the bye. And during that part, they did not play an offense that ranked in the top half of the NFL. The Mm -hmm. best offense they played was the Minnesota Vikings who ranked 16th right now. So up until that point, they, they played basically below average, average to below average offenses. They come out of their bye. They have to take on just nonstop top 10 offenses, more or less, starting with Arizona week seven, San Francisco week eight, Buffalo week nine. Next week is the Rams week 10, and then the Cardinals again in week 11. Now, the only reason that San Francisco only scored 27 is because half their team was injured and the right. offense was using the backup quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. So that doesn't really count, but you're giving up boatloads of points against the Cardinals. Like any good offense that you're playing, you mentioned the bad ones at the beginning of the year. Now you're playing good ones. They're racking it up on you. You're going to go into a stretch. Fortunately, if you look ahead in Seattle's schedule, where once you play the Cardinals in week 11, you have to tangle with the Eagles in week 12. And the Eagles, I don't really yet know where they're going to be. I do think this week they get back on track offensively. They're getting a lot of guys back out of the bye. And I think they're going to start to look a little bit better, but that remains to be seen. But then you've got games against the Giants, the Jets, and Washington. You should have a lot of success as a defense 
against those teams, which are all bottom five offenses. So if if Seattle still hasn't figured it out, you're setting up a trap or and because we're going to we'll, we'll then we're going to start to believe that their defense is a little better. And then they'll get to the playoffs and have to play somebody good that's going to be able to hang 35 on them. Well, we're still not even convinced that even against the Jets and the Giants in Washington that they're actually going to be good because the, the the worst defenses at the beginning were still putting up points. So we if we still see terrible production against even those offenses, I mean, you can forget about it. You don't have to have a great defense in order to win, but you can't have the defense that they're rolling out there. You can't be allowing those types of things. And it's, you know, my how the mighty have fallen with them go from the Legion of Boom to what mm-hmm. they're trotting out on the field, even though they still got some players there. I have a feeling they're going to get it back together a little bit, though. I can't imagine that they continue the rest of the season looking as bad as they do, but we'll see. Speaking of looking bad, though they are they got the win on Sunday, did the Baltimore Ravens against the Indianapolis Colts. But that I mean, that game. It's just a, it's just not a good football game at all. No. Um, and the Ravens were one of those teams, and obviously Lamar won the MVP last year. That they were like, yo, like uh, you would see like something happening on red zone, and then you would like go out of your way to flip them on because Lamar was electric. They're putting up points. They're you know they're running all over people last year, and just looked like a. Uh, a juggernaut, you know, for a lot of those weeks, they would just beat the hell out of people. And this year, it's just like everything seems like a friggin' struggle. What the hell happened there? So there's a number of things at play. And the one thing that I haven't heard discussed enough is the one thing that I want to share here in detail, because we could talk about a lot of the elements of the offense. And I will say in that first half, Credit to Greg Roman and Ravens because they made some halftime adjustments. Nothing was working in the first half. I mean, that first half was all Indianapolis. Then you get the strip fumble, return that for a touchdown. You have Phillip Rivers with the zombie grab from the grave. Like he's like laying on his back. He tries to like reach through the grass up to the sky to grab the ankles of of uh, the defender and he couldn't get him. And that was just, that's just one of the funniest plays I saw. I immediately tweeted out the video of it once I saw it, I reported because that was just ridiculous. But um, the main thing that is really interesting to me is we look at Lamar and the narrative this season is he's not playing well. He's playing much worse than he did last season. What is going on with Lamar Jackson? And he hasn't been playing as well. And that's a fact. But listen to this. In the first half of games on first down, when he actually passes the ball in the most optimal situation to pass, which is first down, you know what he's doing? He's putting up 9.2 yards per attempt, 60% success, and plus 0.30 EPA per pass attempt. No other team is averaging a higher EPA per attempt on first down passes in the first half than Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. But the issue is that he only has 47 pass attempts. And the issue is that Baltimore is the most run-heavy team on first downs in the NFL. And the issue is that those runs are only averaging 3.9 yards per carry with a 45% success rate and minus 0.03 EPA per carry. These are much worse than what they put up last year, and I'll talk about that momentarily. But just 33 pass, 33% of Lamar's pass attempts 
are coming on first down. Now, Rich Rebar, the great fantasy analyst up at Sharp Football Analysis, he was telling me that Baltimore, so if you look at just that game last week, in the game against the Colts, Baltimore ran the ball on first downs 17 times, and those runs averaged just 2.5 yards per carry. They passed the ball only 10 times, and those passes averaged 8.1 yards per pass attempt with a 70% success rate. Right now, they are passing less on first down than they did in 2019, even though Lamar is averaging much more efficiency on these pass attempts. I'm giving you numbers. I'm saying he's plus 0.3 EPA. I'm telling you that he's averaging 9.2 yards per attempt. Last year in 2019, when he was the unlimited, Mr. Unlimited MVP, he won unanimously all the MVP votes on first downs in the first half. He averaged 6.9 yards per attempt, plus 0.06 EPA, 52% success rate. Across the board, he is way better. What's happening is they're passing the ball less on first down, running it more. And these first down runs, last year, they averaged six yards a carry and 60% success. This year, 3.6 yards a carry and 47% success. If you look across the whole game, all four quarters. So they're getting less on these first downs, yet they're running more. But why is that? Is that because of the offensive line isn't as good? Is that because of running back regression? Like, why were they so Because I understand, because it's not different coaches. So it's kind of like you're still chopping wood here. You're still going, this is our bread and butter. This is what we are as a team. And we did this with great success. That's what we need to do is to have is to have that great success. But obviously, we're now, you know, we're getting eight, nine weeks into the season, eight, nine games in, and... If you're if those are the numbers, it's obviously not cracking like it was last year. So what's the difference in your for, for to you? Why? Why are they not as successful running the ball early? Part of the reason is because Lamar hasn't been as healthy. Uh, he's been dinged up a little bit. And so he wasn't running it quite as much. Part of the reason is teams are playing the run a little bit more, which is enabling the passes to be more efficient. But in those cases, if you're the offense coordinator and you're looking at this, you know, I think that it legitimately is in Baltimore's best interest, especially when the run game is not as productive. Now, it's hard to just write everything off one game with the Colts. That's why I'm looking at all nine weeks of the season, because the Colts have a great run D. And guess what? The week before against the Steelers, they had the one of the best run Ds in the NFL, and the Baltimore Ravens still put up a ton of yards on the ground on those guys. It's not that Baltimore can't run the ball. And I think these two games have us thinking a little bit more negatively about their rushing attack than maybe we otherwise should. And yes, you're right. The offensive line injuries have caused problems. And I think over the second half of the schedule, when you finally get games like against the Patriots crappy defense and the Titans and the Colt and the Cowboys rather and the Browns throw the Giants in there throw the freaking Jaguars in there throw the Bengals in there that's what this team's dealing with they have the number one easiest schedule the rest of the way okay, okay. so they're going to be more productive on the ground but what I'm thinking is that if you let Lamar pass the ball a little bit more on some of these first downs this is what you need to start developing and fostering and nurturing so that when you get into the playoffs and you're playing another really competent offense, 
you're not shell-shocked when you're trailing at some point in the game. When you're down by 10 points and you're like, oh crap, we're not prepared. Now we have to pass the ball more on first down. And we haven't been doing that much this year. And so now it's a big change for us. This is the reason why the Chiefs are so good and never get scared anytime they're down. Oh, we got to drop back on first and second down and pass the ball. Boom. That's what we do anyways. We do that 16 weeks out of the season. So that's no change for us. This is like waking up and rolling out of bed. And I understand the stats, Warren. I guess my devil's advocate would be, yeah, teams sit there and say, fine, make this guy beat us passing. If that's what it's going to be, then yeah, okay, he's averaging nine point nine yards on on first down, whatever. But we're going to make this guy beat us passing. I had somebody bring this up to me the other day. You know, Greg Roman, once upon a time, he made Colin Kaepernick look like the best quarterback that has ever walked the planet. And it was very last year Lamar-esque, right? Like he was rushing for 200 yards in playoff games, and he was just an unstoppable force of nature that, you know, that year under Roman. And then the league said, no. You don't get to do this anymore. You're not your your team's not a running team anymore. That's not what you're going to do against us. And you're going to have to beat us accurately passing the ball all over the field. We're going to make you play left-handed, right? As it were. Well, in this case and they and they are trying to do that to the Ravens, and in this case, Lamar is doing very well. He's doing better than he did last year and he had a great season passing the ball last year. So, it's getting lost in everything because he's nowhere near as efficient on third downs as he was last year on third downs and converting those passes into first down. They're gaining fewer yards on run plays on first down. So, all of the third down and second down situations he's in, he has to throw the ball further down the field because they're not gaining as many yards on first First down. So you're right. The defenses definitely have made adjustments and they're slowing this offense down a little bit. I just think that over this last half of the schedule, the Ravens offense is going to look better. People are going to stop getting, oh, what is going on here? Could they drop that? You know, they, they drop the game against the Steelers. Then their offense doesn't look good for a half against the Colts. I think this offense is going to look better, but I still would like to see them raise that first down pass rate for Lamar. Give him that confidence. He's playing well on those downs. Continue to nurture that because you're going to need it down the road. You're going to need it in the playoffs. Well, you were first on him. You are still, all right, just for the record, you are still a big Lamar believer. You think this you think this is going to get fixed? I think the offense is going to look better the second half. You can I I'm I have no doubt about it. Okay. Uh how does this keep happening to the Chargers, Warren? I mean, it's not even like it's not even like the last couple of minutes. It's the last freaking play of the game. <laughs> It happens. It happened. I was watching the game two weeks ago when Drew Locke, they get the pass interference in the end zone. Then they get the extra play and they win on the last play of the game. Then this week, um, I was watching Cowboys Steelers. I'm keeping up with it. And on the app, it flashes that there's four seconds left or whatever it was from the four yard line. So they're going to have one play to score. And then it flashes up. They scored. They win. They win by one point. And then obviously I went and checked and that had been called off. And so utter heartbreak again. I mean, for these for these games to come down to one play. And it was already bad enough before where it comes down to like a kick or it comes down to. But these are 
This is two weeks in a row with touchdowns in the end zone, one against them and one that they got that ended up being called off. I know you went off kind of on the Anthony Lynn stuff last week. What what do we make of this week and them, again, narrowly losing? They are so close to having a good record. And, and, and Justin Herbert being like the leading jersey sale in, in all of football. Okay, so, I mean, I could I could spend... 30 minutes ripping the chargers if we wanted to turn that this podcast into that because i I was so complimentary of this team boosting them up and 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 pumping them up after the two weeks out of the bye with how they were passing the ball on early downs and they gave the keys to the car to justin herbert and you know entrusted this offense to him and everything was going well and of course they still have these issues but but here's the fact this is the simple fact, and this is why I'm getting a little frustrated, Chris. And it's, <laughs> you know, a tiger can't change his stripes. Whatever the saying is, I think that's the saying, but a tiger can't change his stripes. And if you are a conservative coach, like Anthony Lynn is at his core. He is a running backs coach at his core. He likes to run the football He's less aggressive. He's a little bit more conservative in general. And this is what we are seeing in the games. And what I went off at is end of half, end of game clock management is atrocious, atrocious. This is a team that at the end of the first half was the most egregious clock management that I have seen (laughs) watching the NFL. They have three timeouts and they're trying to, they, they start with the ball. They start with the ball on the Oakland 38-yard line with three timeouts. They don't use a single, a single timeout. They get down to, I believe it's the 27-yard line, the 27-yard line of the Oakland Raiders. So they got one with, first down. They got one first down. They moved the ball from the, what did I say? The 38 to the 27. They moved the ball 11 yards. And their last snap before they scored a touchdown was with 26 seconds left on the clock. And they started the ball. They started here, okay, with more than two minutes left in the clock. They had a first and 10 run play that gained a yard, and that was with two minutes and 28 seconds left. They moved the ball 11 yards in that amount of time. They didn't burn a single timeout. They snapped that ball with 26 seconds left. Now, a lot of the idiots out there on Twitter want to say, well, they scored a touchdown, so it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you waste the clock and you score. That's exactly what you want to do. And I'm thinking, you numbskulls, they <laughs> score a touchdown with 26 seconds. They score a tw- touchdown. 26 seconds left is when they throw it, when they snap the ball. They get a 27-yard touchdown pass because the Raiders completely botch a coverage and Keenan Allen is wide open. And so Justin Herbert is able to complete that pass. The goal of any two-minute drill is as follows. There's one priority that's of utmost importance. Score a touchdown. Unless we're talking about when you're at that last second thing and you should just kneel like we talked about it before and just kick a field goal. If we're talking about any other situation where you're trailing by more than three points, the goal is to score a damn touchdown. Secondarily, it's to prevent the other team from having time to go back and score themselves. 
but your first priority is to score. You can't score unless you're gaining yards. If you're letting the clock run down and you're not gaining yards, you can't score. So that was horrendous. I I posted the whole video up on Twitter. Then we look at the end of game situation. They're actually using their timeouts here. They had three timeouts. They used them all, so that's fine. But in this case, it's the simple play calling. Five of their first six plays that they're going, and they start at the their own 45-yard line, and they got to score a touchdown. As you mentioned, they're down by five points. They have to score a touchdown. They let 28 seconds tick off the clock before they call a timeout uh, ahead of a fourth and one play. When they have three timeouts in the bag, five of their six plays were to the middle of the field as opposed to the sideline. They get out of bounds on only one of their first seven plays before they take those two end zone shots. And the point here is, again, like the idiots on Twitter are going to say, well, you had two shots at the end zone, so that's not the end of the world. It's a pretty good drive. And I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't you like to have six shots at the end zone? You know, like, (laughs) why are you saying that that's a victory, that you got two shots? You lost the game and you lost it because you weren't intelligent with your play calls to move the ball down into scoring position. So this team, and that's that's just half of it. I mean, that's just like two situations where, number one, you're not using your timeouts or being intelligent with your play calling. You're calling draw plays on first and 10 in a two-minute drill. The next one, you are calling timeouts, but your play calls themselves are horrendous at the end of the game. But the, the biggest stat, Chris, that I want to just throw up there, uh, I know that we're not going to get into detail on how they reverted back to the run, 56% runs on early downs instead of being 64% pass like they were the prior two weeks. That's to the side. Listen to this on the season. In the second half of games, with a lead of 1 to 10 points, the Chargers, who have won only two games out of eight so far this year, have called 37 plays on first down. They've had 37 first downs with a lead in the second half of between one and 10 points. Of those 37 plays, 28 are first down runs. 28. There are only three teams in the entire NFL who have called more than 28 runs in the second half leading one to 10 points. The undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, the six and two Seattle Seahawks, and the five and three Raiders. The Chargers are two and six. You don't have a winning team. You know what those run plays are averaging? 2.9 yards per carry, a 32% success rate. Those are some of the worst numbers in the NFL, but this is what you're doing at this ridiculously high rate on these first downs. This is why you're not winning. You can have Justin Herbert, and he could be a freak and a stud and a great draft pick and all that stuff. But if you don't know how to call plays with the lead and you don't know how to manage your timeouts and you don't know how to drive the ball down to score points late and you don't know how to call plays to get to the sideline and you're scared to uh, let your quarterback throw the ball and you're relying too much on your running backs that aren't being productive, you are not going to win games. And your offensive players and your defensive players can only do so much. And so it just infuriates me when I see something that should be easy because this is not rocket science. This isn't reading the tea leaves or using a Ouija board to come up with all oh, these great strategies. Well, on, on this one type of down, we could run this type of play because of this coverage. And I saw this in some film study and oh my God, I think this is going to work. Maybe it's going to be great. This is the basic level stuff that these guys are screwing up. And that's what makes it so frustrating to me. 
How do you really feel, Warren? I'm glad now that I got that out of my system. That's how I feel. <laughs> you didn't have the char- you didn't have the Chargers out as a play or something, did you? No, no. <laughs> I, I okay, thank you. Actually, God. actually, I'll tell you that that's the game that I did take the over that the market was moving against us. And on the Friday show with House, I I, I normally don't give out my stuff where we're crushing it this year, like seventy percent on totals. And that's one I gave out. I said, look, this line's still available. Oh, we took over 52 and a half. Normally these games close much higher than we give them out. Uh, I'm shocked. People are betting this game under. I like the over. And of course it, it, it goes over. Um, but I did not have anything on the Chargers well, until I had a, them in a at teaser. Least, at least Anthony Lynn hits the overs. You know, give them that. Yeah, well, this is a team. You can bet them in teasers, right? I teased them last week. I got them to plus eight on the teaser leg. So I obviously didn't want them to get blown out and they they weren't getting blown out. But this is a great team. I mean, what they've got six losses and those six losses, I believe, are by one point, three points, three points, five points, five points, and seven points. I mean, if you want to pick, you know, the charters to lose the game by one to seven points, chances you're like going to be, a he- you should be paying a heavy favorite price to do that. Well, I'm going to tell you this, not this week because it leads in perfect because I'm going to be all over two a time. I'm in, Warren. <laughs> I am in. And I see that line sitting at two and a half right now. Chargers got to travel all the way across the country, right? I think this is in Miami, it's in right? My, it's in Miami. It is a late kick, so it's not the 1 p.m. Eastern, yeah, but it but still is a travel spot. That is a long-ass trip. And uh, Tua, we talked about it last week. They didn't really need to do much because they were already kicking the Rams' ass by the time, you know, the game started, frankly. I mean, it was like, you know, by the time it got to the third quarter, it wasn't exactly like they were. They, they had the reins pulled back. Um, but we got the full two experience. The guy I loved watching at Alabama is the guy we got uh, in the game up against Kyler Murray, who is also insanely entertaining to watch. So what did you make of, the two experience, which was obviously much better than the debut and kind of what that means for the Dolphins going forward. Yeah, totally, totally unlike my vibe um, on this Chargers uh, game that we're discussing where I was just so negative. This that game get, brought me joy. I mean, there is nothing I like watching more in the NFL than great quarterbacks living up to their potential, right? I I love watching young kids perform well. I mean, it just, it literally, there's no other word for it, but the simple word of joy. And, you know, I, we talked about it on this show before treating Tua with this white gloves and not letting him throw the ball was problematic and you can't do that. And I was worried, is Miami going to go out to Arizona with this white glove treatment and try to run the ball a lot in Arizona? How's that going to play out? I don't think you're going to score all these defensive touchdowns. They ended up getting one, actually. But you're not going to just keep this off, keep the Arizona Cardinals offense down. You're going to have to let Tua throw the ball. Early down to the first half of their Week 8 game, his first game in there, Dolphins went 58% run. Those runs, runs averaged only 2.8 yards per carry. I was like, oh, my God, this is not how you do it. This is We're talking about the first half of the game. This isn't how you do it. Last week against Arizona, early downs, they moved from 58% run the week before down to 36% run. Way down. That's a 22% drop. They moved all the way up to 64% pass. And on those passes on early downs in the first half, Tua averaged 9.3 yards per attempt with a 56% success rate. They were great. 
They used a great strategy. And that's why I'm not, this game against Buffalo is going to be fascinating when say Arizona plays Buffalo. We won't dive into it right now. We'll talk more about it on the Friday show. That's a tease ahead to the Friday show with house, but, um, Arizona is bad against heavy sets. They're, they, they, they are not good defending passes out of heavy sets. Miami, great strategy. They pass the ball on first downs only five times from 11 personnel, 13 passes from these heavy sets. We're able to get a lot of production out of those passes. And, uh, and they had great, a great game plan. Tua played really well. Um, he ran for first downs. And, and this is a team, look, they're sitting at five and three. They've got, I want to say, the sixth easiest schedule um, or so. I, I haven't dug into the schedule analysis enough uh, at this point uh, in my week on a Tuesday night. But we are we are in a really interesting spot where the Dolphins have a pretty easy road ahead that they can and make some noise here. They feel like the kind of team, too, that could get into the playoffs and just be the ty- the team you don't want to see because their defense can really show up. They got some big-time playmakers on defense. And, you know, look, when when it's third and eight, you know, they've got one of those guys that could just take off and get you the first down and keep the chains moving. That was part of the fun. That was part yeah. of the fun, right? Watching those two quarterbacks being able to run the ball when a play breaks down. And that's why so many of these young quarterbacks, these guys that are getting drafted high, like th- they're guys that have wheels. Uh, even Joe Burrow, you know, surprisingly yes. good wheels, ability to run the football. And that's what you need in the NFL right now because it's this hidden edge. We know dropbacks are much more efficient than handing the ball off to your running back. But guess what? Sometimes the defense might win on a drop back and the guys are covered and your first read or two or pressure's coming. If you can then turn that play from a negative, which would be a sack and, and maybe ultimately would force a punt into a positive where you're running, <laughs> running for a seven yard gain, a six yard gain, or even another first down on a pass play. One of the few pass plays that doesn't end up working because guys aren't open or pressure is getting to you. I mean, I can't tell you how much that swings things. And, well, and you so, wonder is the is the age of the of the statue, you know, for lack of a better term, is that gone? Because all these guys, even even Herbert, he would be the closest, right? Like you know, Burrow can scoot. Um, you see him. Uh, Herbert probably runs the least of the new ones that have maybe Locke. Locke doesn't run all that much either, but he's not. He's certainly not a statue. But, I mean, you look at all these other guys, even Baker Mayfield, who I know a lot of people are out on, but Baker Mayfield, Lamar, Kyler, obviously you got Russell Wilson. But I'm talking... We can't put Baker in this category, though. You can't put Baker with Lamar and, and Russ and No, and, no, and no, those no, no, no. I'm just around. saying he can get away from you, right? Uh, unlike when a pocket collapses, that's the end of the play for Brady and Roethlisberger and Breeze and, you know. Yeah, like at one point, Ben, he was so big, he was just shedding guys. Like guys would yes. land on him and he would just <laughs> shed them and throw the ball. He was never the guy to scoot or evade, evade you, but he could dip, dodge, duck, dive, whatever the, yeah. uh, you know, the the uh, the dodgeball stuff. He could do that in the pocket and get rid of guys and then throw the ball down the field. Uh, so his big body was beneficial from that respect. But yes, you're right. Like a lot of these guys now, smaller guys can move and get around in the pocket. And uh, you know, it's funny, like what, what I think earlier, even this season, people were talking about, well, 
Kyler might be too short. He's not doing well passing the ball, like I, I think like a week or two. Like there's always going to be people who are going to say those types of things. But, um, you know, their ability to get out of pressure and gain positive yards is is definitely a massive, a massive edge. And you're right from the game planning perspective that I think I see from the Miami Dolphins, if they can get into the playoffs, you know, that is where I think that they could be a little bit dangerous because I see a team that defensively could do something like the Tennessee Titans were able to do for yeah. one week against the Baltimore Ravens, right? Like a one week, great defensive game plan is exactly what they trotted out against the Rams. You know, they were able to figure out a great defensive game plan to stymie these guys offensively. They could pull that out. I was a little surprised how bad those corners looked against Arizona last week and how they were getting burned by Christian Kirk deep and everything. But, um, I do think one week this is a team that could put enough offense out on the field with a great defensive game plan um, to to cause anybody trouble in in a one one game season. Right? Yeah, That's it might what have, a that might have been a little is. pick your that might have been a little pick your poison on the Kirk thing because they did do a pretty good job on on Hopkins. Yeah, they did. I mean, overall, look, overall, this is a very a very sound football team. Um, they're building the right way. And they're exciting. And if it, it's going to come down to Tua, can Tua deliver or not? Because their run game, they don't have the backs. They don't have the, the horses no. there to really carry them. So it's going to be make sure our wideouts are healthy and make sure Tua is playing well. And then you never know because I think it could be fun. Today's Ringer NFL show brought to you by FanDuel. Add a little excitement to your sports watching experience by betting on all the action on FanDuel Sportsbook this football season. There's a reason why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Their app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique, fun bet types like same-game parlays, and exclusive always-on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And if you win, they even get your winnings safely to you in as little as 24 hours. Right now, FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet. Seriously, there's no strings attached. Just place any bet you want. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get your entire bet up to $1,000 back in site credit. Some of my favorites for this weekend, two a time. I'm in, folks. I am in on two a time. And they are laying two and a half points against the uh, the Chargers this weekend. The Chargers find a way to blow every game anyway. And uh, Tua's little brother, baby Tua for Maryland. I'm taking them plus a points against Ohio State. I cannot wait. And in fact, might be a same game parlay if I take the Dolphins and I take over 25 and a half for their team total. If you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started and be sure to sign up with the promo code SHARP so they know we sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code SHARP. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, and Tennessee. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 
1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Illinois. The Tennessee Red Line is 1-800-889-9789 or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. That was going on in the afternoon, and that game gets done. Cowboys-Steelers comes down to the end. The Chargers game comes down to the end. I'm all amped up, and I'm like, oh, hell. And we've got Buck Saints tonight. Brady Breeze, they're doing the whole intro, everything. Um, Antonio Brown's going to be in action, right? So we're going to get to see him for the first time, play for the Bucks. And then this was just an ass-kicking of epic proportions. What in the – explain this to me. What happened with the Saints and the Bucks and the Saints just burying them? How? What happened to the Bucks? Well, I think this is a situation where you had an offensive lineman out, you had a left tackle who wasn't playing very well, and you have a situation where I probably, along with many others, overlooked the fact that the Saints dominated in the first game because, well, it's Brady and he's throwing these interceptions. His first game with the team, he's not really in the mix and we got to get him back in the mix. They, and- remember, I remember talking about uh, Lattimore like has just shut down Mike Evans, right? He just yep. has had his number and so maybe that's a part of it. Obviously, that screws up their offense some if Mike Evans isn't able to do big stuff. And as it, as it turns out, this is just a bad matchup for the Bucs. I mean, mm. if you look at the games last year, uh, Sean Payton and their defense against this Bucks offense, I mean, with Bruce Arians there, the, the, the Saints have now won five games in a row against these guys. Uh, they've covered five spreads, and they're winning these games by not insignificant margins. I mean, we're talking... 7 points, 17 points, 11 points, 35 points, uh, 14 points. I mean, the, the the Saints are doing really well against the Buccaneers with or without Brady right now. All right, should I so should I just not overreact to that and not be down ultra down on the Bucks? Should I say, "Hey, I'm only ultra down on the Bucks if they're having to play the Saints. Otherwise, I'm still in on the Bucks being able to be 
uh, you know, a fantastic team that could, you know, I mean, like, well, look, there's not a there's not a huge group of them. We just shit on Seattle's defense and but the Packers. Like one week, it's like, oh man, this is old Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is unstoppable. And then the next week, you're like, what the hell's wrong with the Packers? Like all these teams have their flaws, and all these teams have given you reason to believe in them fully. I will tell you, even going into that game. I had just seen the Saints-Bears game, and I was like, man, the Saints, what is up with them? Like, this <laughs> this game stinks, right? Like, they're barely they're barely beating the friggin' Bears. Like, they're going to go win the NFC, and then you get done watching Sunday night, and you're like, who the hell's beating that team? <laughs> and so I don't wait, – wait, in fairness, they got Mike Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders back, and they look like a radically different team, too, with those guys in the mix. No, there's no doubt about it. And I think that this is not the type of team that you want to just say, oh my God, they can't get it done now. This is not like, I think the the NFC is, is going to be a fun playoff contest because you do have the Saints and the Bucks and the Seahawks and the Packers. And those four are the the clear favorites. What's interesting to me a little bit. And when I'm, when you're looking at the Bucks, I read something about Tom Brady. You know what time he says his bedtime is now? Uh, 8.30. The TB12 method. He says he says now for his health and whatever, he's going to bed at 8.30. You know what his record is this year in games that have started in the in the late, like the night games? I think they're 8.15 kicks or 8.20 kicks. He's played in three of them. He's lost two of them, once to the Bears, once to the Saints. They got their butt kicked and they were losing to the Giants entering the fourth quarter before they come from behind on Monday night in week eight and barely win that game ahead of playing in this Sunday night game. So, I mean, there are routines and then there are routines Ah. that can hurt you. And this one is kind of interesting. I don't think he's done that throughout his whole career, nor do I even know that this is a fact. So somebody can fact check whether or not Brady said that, but that's something I saw floated out there that he goes to bed much earlier. And he's, I, I heard his bedtime was 8.30. So if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm admitting that it could it's, be a rumor. It'd be, it'd be really funny if that was a joke. It could, right? it could be a like joke somebody, and we're talking, somebody, somebody, somebody make, talking about it. No, somebody making an old person joke, right? <laughs> it, it could be. It could his, be. Bed, his bedtime is 8.30. I mean, geez, man, even old people. Like my grandma would watch Jay Leno's mo- monologue. <laughs> and that was like 10 30. That was 10 30. Yeah, right? So 8 30 is pretty extreme. 8 30 is really extreme. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, my kids don't even, what, your kids, we both <laughs> no. have our youngest are about yeah. six years old, I think. And, and, oh, and yours God. is, I would minus. give my life for her to go to bed at 8 30. Yeah. They're, they're, that, that I just need to put her happen. on the TB12 method, Warren. <laughs> yeah. Tell her it's for her, her health benefits. And you mentioned how good of an athlete she is. And I was reading needs- this book. Yeah. I was reading this book, the TB12 method. He said, you got to get a lot of sleep, Haley. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, look, I, I think it's going to be fascinating. So, number one, to answer your question, no. They are not done. Don't sell all your Buccaneer stock. At the same time, um, this conference is wide open. And I think you can't sit here and write off the Seattle Seahawks just because they had a couple of losses. And you can't sit here and write off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they got blown out once. Because guess what? A lot, there's a lot of good football going around in the NFL. But it's just, but here's the problem, Warren. It's just impossible to be all in on any of them and feel great about it. Like, it's like to say, like, you know what? You like week one, 
You told us, go bet on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. And like every week that passes, it's like, all right, like, because we're talking about the Ravens. We're talking about the Steelers, right? The Steelers, look, if if the referees call the hold on Amari Cooper, they might have lost to friggin' Garrett Gilbert, for God's sakes. You're exactly right. None of these teams, without with the exception, with the exception of the Chiefs, if we're talking about the championship, none of these teams are like bulletproof. There's none of them. All of them, even That's the right. ones that are undefeated, like the Steelers, uh, I guess if you want to look at it glass half full, if, if we want to try to be optimistic after being so pessimistic on the Chargers, let's be optimistic. This these, th- That's a game the Steelers usually lose. Let's be real clear. The Steelers, Mike Tomlin, I don't know what it is about him. He does such a great job in other situations, but they typically every single year find a team that is bad and play down to that level of competition and lose that game. So maybe it's a credit like, hey, they didn't actually lose the game. They were able to get the win. And so maybe they're not as bad as 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 what they are most years. And clearly they've got the best start, I want to say, in franchise history. Um, yeah. But they're, they're definitely not a team without its flaws. And I no, think they, any I'm given day... Nobody, nobody watched them and was like, oh, damn, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. Like you watch Mahomes and you're like, Jesus, what do you do with this guy? And this is, this is why, Chris, for me, this season, the rest of the season is going to be awesome and the playoffs are going to be incredible. And here's why. It's because you cannot in any game that will be played between these good teams against one another in the playoffs, just trot out team A and trot out team B and expect to win that game. What it's going to come down to is strategizing and coaching and calling the right plays and figuring out the optimal way to beat the other team. And guess what? Some of the games may not be close because of that strategy and because of certain matchups that you end up being able to take advantage of or exploit. And so for that reason, like on paper, it looks like a toss up and it looks like you go out there and, and, and we're not sure what's going to happen. But that's why so much of this season, in my opinion, is going to come down more than more than seasons in the past is going to come down to coaching and game planning and play calling. And for me, that's what I love uh, studying that assisting some of these teams like this is my passion and that's what's going to make it so fun the rest of the way. Last thing before we get out of here, because I'll be listening to you in-house go through all the games on Friday, there will be one game before we hear from you again, and that is, it's actually a very big game within the division uh, for the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. As we just mentioned, Indianapolis looked miserable offensively um, in that game against the Ravens. The Ravens looked pretty bad offensively, too, Um, but they have really had the Titans number over the years and the Titans who they got to win uh, on Sunday, but they started off. And I think, I think at the beginning of the season, people were much more impressed with the Titans than they have been recently. And now we have this game lines really tight on this game. What are your overwhelming thoughts when you think about the Thursday night game we're going to see between the Colts and the uh, Titans? Yeah, you're right. This is the, the biggest thing that comes to mind when I'm thinking about it is uh, is Pat McAfee going into your backyard to draft night and uh, <laughs> and talking trash about um, you guys not being able to beat 
beat his squad. Uh, of course, you did win the last game that was played. Uh, it's not 13. me. Not me. Don't say me. I'm a Cowboys fan. All right. Well, yeah, we, <laughs> we won't have to worry about claiming your victories this year then. But um, no, I, I know the, the Titans were able to get that win. Now, the game was tied heading into the fourth quarter, and then Tennessee puts up uh, 14 unanswered in the fourth quarter. They didn't have Phillip Rivers back then. But this is this is definitely a game, uh, a, a series that has gone the Colts way. And you just look at this squad of the Tennessee Titans. And I mean, I don't know. I, I said it once before. And then the Titans won a, won a game uh, the very next week. And people wanted to criticize. Oh, I thought you said the Titans were overrated. Well, guess what? Like, I still think the Titans are a little bit overrated. They're not. <laughs> they've got some flaws. And they're not as good as uh, the record indicates. Um, and I don't know. They got. Look, they got a three-game stretch here that's really going to decide their season, in my opinion, because the last part of the season, you you look at some of these squads, especially the defenses that they're going to play. They're playing like the Jags and the Texans and the Lions down at the last three of the last four opponents. Here you've got, you played a tough defense last week in the Chicago Bears. You got the Colts twice and the Ravens. That's three games against top five defenses over the next three weeks. I want to see what Arthur Smith does here offensively because you can pass the ball a little bit on these Colts and you can try to waste your time running the ball here. And I fear that what's going to happen is a lot of running early. It may not be that successful. The game's close. Then they start passing the ball, do do better. And then Derrick Henry runs late and it looks better when it's all put together at the end of the day and you look at Derrick Henry's final, final stats. But they could have made life easier on themselves if they didn't run the ball on first downs as often to start the game. But I think it's it's going to be a great game. I don't really have a call right now. Um, it's a two-point line right now. The Tennessee Titans are favored by two. Uh, total has come down. It opened at 50 and a half. It's down to 48 and a half. So a little bit of under money's coming. What do you make of it, Chris? Uh, I think that... It feels like one of those where because the Colts look so bad against the Ravens, this is just what I'd say. They look so bad against the Ravens. This is like, it's a total burn me game when I do this. It's like Phillip Rivers, you know, was washed up. The Colts stink. Um, the Colts couldn't even, you know, they couldn't do anything offensively. And so you just, every time you get so down on one of these teams and then you you bet against them, and you just get taken to the woodshed. Next thing you know, it's like, how are they? How are they doing this? Like, why? Why are the Titans sucking tonight? Like, I, I just feel like if I, uh, that's just my opinion as a, as a degenerate. If I bet against the Colts, I'd get my ass kicked. And I feel like everybody in the free world is going to bet the Titans. Everybody, and that's usually, as you know, Warren. They don't have all those buildings and nice pools and with pretty girls outside of them serving you drinks because people win. So no, if, they everybody, don't. And, and if everybody's on the Titans, I think I probably should get on the Colts. That's my that's my thought. The the one thing I really want to see is what aside from the play calling of Arthur Smith here and how he decides to attack the Colts is the Colts have played the easiest schedule of opponents in the entirety of the NFL. They have played the easiest schedule so far, and they have played not a single offense that ranks in the top 15. 
The Titans offense will be the first offense that they will have played all season that ranks inside of the top 15. So while the Colts defense has looked great, they haven't faced anybody who's really great. And that was the one thing that I was thinking about when I was studying the Colts and the Ravens game was I remember betting on the over in the Browns game when they played the Browns. And I thought that the Browns were going to have some success offensively and they come out and put up 32 points. And then although the Ravens didn't look great at all in the first half, they were able to do something offensively enough in that second half of the game. And Lamar was passing the ball. He did, he did phenomenal. We just gave the numbers at the top of the show. So now you got the Titans who actually have a good offense. They have one, they have a top 10 offense, the best offense that the Colts defense will have faced. Will the real Indianapolis Colts defense please stand up? That's what we're going to see on Thursday night. I want to see the play calling from Arthur Smith. I want to see Phillip Rivers. I know the receiving core hasn't been dynamic, but how will Frank Reich call plays? And, and I will note this. One of the reasons why I didn't love the Colts against the Ravens was because the Indianapolis Colts destroyed the Detroit Lions by throwing the ball to running backs. You remember Naheem Hines had two mm-hmm. touchdown catches, was doing those little spinning backflip maneuvers in the end zone that was getting all the highlight reel stuff. Well, Baltimore was one of the best defenses in the NFL defending running back passes. So they they were literally, I think, number one or number two defending running back passes. And now you've got the Tennessee Titans, who I think rank like ninth or 10th in defending running back passes. So a far cry from the Detroit Lions, who ranked dead last, uh, sorry, number 31 defending running back passes. So should be should be fascinating. Um, it's going to be a good Thursday night game. It definitely has better playoff implications than some of these that we've seen. Last thing before we get out of here, because I know you and House are going to be talking about all the games on Friday. When you're when you're sitting around, you're doing all your work, getting ready for Sunday, Warren. Do me a favor and flip on, and I think it's on two thir- at two thirty on Saturday. Find the Ohio State Maryland game because I know you're not a college football guy, right? Ohio State's got. Justin Fields, who he might he might be the next big thing, like the Kylers and the Tuas and whatever else. But Maryland has Baby Tua. You got to see him. I know about Baby Tua. Baby and, Tua and I, pulled it off against Penn State, and now they're catching like I think they're like twenty eight point underdogs against Ohio State. If that Joker does it back to back, oh, he's fun. He is fun. I know about Baby Tua. I know about Mike Loxley. I'll I'll, talk, uh, I'll share something with you after we stop. We hit the end button here. On, oh no, uh, on Maryland. So oh, all right, all right. Well, they got they got some players there. Loxley's been a recruiter for a long, long time. That's for sure. Yeah, that one that'll be good. I I will thank you for pointing that out to yeah. me because otherwise I wouldn't have been paying any attention at all to it. But I I will <laughs> definitely make sure I do that. So that's going to do it for us. Remember, you can join Nora and the gang on this same Ringer NFL show feed tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little 
sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 